Hi, everybody. How are you? All right, this side's doing great. How's this side doing? Okay, all right, we're doing a little bit better. Hey, well, my name is Jeremy, and uh, I have the honor and privilege to serve as one of the pastors here. If you're visiting, uh, our lead pastor, Jason, is on vacation, and so I'm very, very excited to be able to open God's Word with you today. And um, if you are visiting and you feel comfortable, please come and find me and, and introduce yourself because I would love the opportunity to get to meet you. Um, so over the past several months, we have been in this series called The Gospel of John, and we are going to continue that this morning. So if you have your Bible, please take it and turn to John chapter 15, starting in verse 18. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one underneath the seat around you. And I encourage you to take that out and to open it and, and, and not just hear it from me, but for us to study God's word together where I've got it open, you've got it open, and we're seeing what God has to say to us this morning. Um, so over the past few weeks that we have been inside of this series, we've actually seen several things in Scripture take place. First, Jesus, he met with his disciples uh, in the last Passover meal and it was right before he was actually going to experience uh, betrayal and then eventual crucifixion. Uh, he washed the disciples' feet. Judas had left the upper room where they were at to basically go and deliver our Lord up to be betrayed. And then Jesus has established this ordinance known as communion. And, and during this time, the disciples are sorrowful because of what they know is going to happen. Jesus has told them that he is going to go away. And, and think about that for a moment. Think about being with your best, closest friend for three and a half years, traveling with him, experiencing hardship together, and then all of a sudden they tell you, hey, I got to go. Right? For all of us, that would be really, really difficult to hear. And of course, it was difficult for the disciples to hear it as well. But what's really awesome is even though they were sad about Jesus leaving them, he actually gives them several promises that we see in some of the recent weeks that we've been studying the book of John. So I want to tell you some of these. First, he promises them that he is preparing a place in heaven for them. That's pretty awesome. He promises them that he will eventually return. He promises them that he is going to be sending what is known as the Comforter, or in other words, the Holy Spirit, which we're actually going to talk about a little bit more in depth here in just a moment. He promises them a continuing relationship in which he was the vine and they are the branches, and if they remain connected to him, if they abide in him, then they can expect to bear much fruit. And he promises them that he was their friend. Those last two Blake talked about last Sunday. And all of these promises are good, and all of these promises are positive, and all of these promises, you know, give you that warm feeling inside. But what we're going to see today is there's going to be a shift in the tone that Jesus has. And where these promises are good and wonderful, some of the things that he is going to tell them today are not going to be so positive and are going to be very difficult to hear. But it was a warning that he wanted to give to them because he wanted to keep them from stumbling as a result of the future hardship that they would expect to receive. Because as Christ followers, we will experience hardship. 
and he did not want them to be unknown and, and unaware of that coming to them whenever he left. It's still true for us today. It's, but see, the unfortunate truth that we experience today is there are a lot of people out there who, who preach what they call the gospel, but they eliminate the more difficult parts of the gospel, which includes our passage this morning. We see many preachers out there preaching what is called the prosperity gospel. If you just believe in Jesus, you're going to have a wonderful, perfect, healthy, happy life without any difficulty. Man, but if you've been a Christian for any length of time and you're in this room, I think we can attest to the fact that that simply isn't true. The gospel isn't about wealth and happiness. The gospel is not man-centered, but instead, the true gospel of Jesus Christ is a gospel that talks not about man, but about God, the holy God coming towards man and meeting us in our sin. The true gospel is a message of redemption and forgiveness and adoption into his family as sons and daughters. It's a message of radical change from death to life, from being a slave to sin to being a slave to righteousness. It's the change from worldliness to godliness. And although the gospel is glorious and the gospel is wonderful, there is difficulty surrounding it. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Jesus tells the disciples this morning, and he's going to tell us that we should not be caught off guard when we encounter resistance because of the gospel. Church, we will experience resistance if we call ourselves Christ followers. We should not be deceived in thinking that when we proclaim the good news of Jesus, that everyone will like us, everyone will be ready to receive, everyone is going to open us with open, or going to welcome us with open arms. That's just not what the Bible has to say. In fact, I want you to listen to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Paul says this, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now don't get me wrong. I don't hope for persecution. I didn't wake up today and get out of bed and say, man, I want people to really hate me because I believe in Jesus. But listen, we need to expect it. We need to know that it is coming. But hopefully, as individuals and as a church at the, as a whole, that our message is a message that is worthy to be persecuted. That it's not that prosperity gospel garbage that we are receiving from those who claim to be preaching the true gospel when they are not. But we need to live lives that reflect the call of Jesus. The call to radical holiness. The call to be a radical witness for Christ. So that we are not seeking to fit into our culture to be liked to be welcomed, but instead, our chief concern, our chief goal is to obey our Lord Jesus Christ. And so with all that being said, let's take a look at today's passage. I want you to listen to these powerful words from Jesus. So we are, we are in John chapter 15, starting in verse 18 down through verse 25 for this first section here. Listen to what Jesus says. If the world hates you, Know that it hated me before it hated you. 
If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. If you're taking notes today, uh, I would encourage you to write this down. You can call this the first point of today's message, and it's this. As Christ's followers, we should expect hatred and persecution. We have to understand that we currently live in a world system that is the antithesis of God's system. And because we live in that world system that is the opposite of God's, we will experience hatred and persecution in some way, some more than others. We see that according to Jesus here, the overarching message and the defining characteristic of the world is their hatred for him. And here, Jesus is letting his disciples know, Christ's followers, and letting us know, too, that they should expect that hatred and persecution. And there's at least four reasons here in these verses that we just read for why the world is going to hate and persecute him and Christ's followers. The first one comes from verse 19. It's because Jesus called us out of the world. Jesus chose us. Jesus removed us from the world. We no longer belong to this satanic world system, but we have chosen, been chosen by God and taken out of the world by means of our salvation in Christ. I want you to listen to 1 Peter 2, verse 9. It says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We have been chosen, and therefore the world hates and persecutes us. The second thing we see from verses 18 through 25 is they hate us, they persecute us because we serve the one whom the world hates. When the world hurts and abuses and imprisons and kills kills Christians, it's not because of us. We are not the focus, but it's because and about Jesus. Here's a fact, though, and I want you to really think about this. There are many of us who profess to be Christians, keyword profess, that never experience hatred because we are never doing anything to serve Jesus. And I know that's hard to hear. But if you are never experiencing persecution from the world, hatred from the world in some way, I think that calls for some introspection. I think that calls for us to really think about what our walk with Christ looks like. Because these words are very clear. The third reason, oh, let me say this. One commentator put it this way. I thought this was really unique. 
He said, if we wear the uniform with the word Christian written on our chests, but we go out onto the court and help the other team, the other team isn't going to hate us. They'll only hate the ones who actually play for Jesus. The third reason we see that the world hates us, the world persecutes us, is because the world does not know God. You know, there are so many people out there who are religious, who try to make all of these claims that they love God and then they live for Him, but the truth is seen in their actions. Think about those that Jesus saw who would be considered religious in His day. Think about the Pharisees. Instead of really loving God, and living for him, what they did is they loved a God of their own imagination that they could manipulate into their own personal gain so that they could do evil and call it good, and nothing has changed in 2021. We try to fashion God into who we want him to be instead of what this book has to say. And that's not what we're called to do. And whenever we go against that, when we speak out against that as Christ followers, we should expect the world to hate us. The fourth thing that we see, the world hates us, hates God, is because Jesus exposes the world's guilt. You know, Jesus came into a world that was plagued by sin. And as a result of who he was and what he did on this earth, everything ugly in the world was exposed but we don't like when our sin is exposed, do we? He made sin visible in the hearts of people. Thus, all of those who called themselves pretty good or all of those who thought, hey, you know, I'm not a bad person. Actually, on the contrary, you are a sinner in need of a Savior. The same is true then and the same is true for us today. You know, I I know the thought of expecting persecution and hatred is an unsettling feeling I know it's an unwelcome feeling the truth is I was talking to my wife this week and I was really really just overwhelmed and she's like what's wrong and I'm like honey I don't want to go and talk to people about this this is hard stuff it is hard to hear these kinds of things but you know the Bible isn't doesn't have words that just make us feel good all the time We have to hear the hard parts of it as well. And we don't like hearing that the world is going to persecute and hate us. Why? Because we want to be liked. We want to be part of the in crowd. We want the world's acceptance. We are people pleasers. And so the thought of the world hating us, persecuting us, is a difficult one to hear. However, Jesus says that we are going to experience this hate and persecution if we are truly living for him. Remember, the text says that as Christ's followers, he chose us out of the world. Instead of being angry and hurt and bitter when the world hates us, we should respond in mercy. Wait, what? Mercy? Jeremy, you're telling me that I should treat the world nicely when they treat me wrong? Absolutely. And I, I, I get it. Oh, that's real nice for you to say up on the stage. Why don't you actually live it? I get that it's hard. 
I know that it's hard whenever the world is calling us names. I know that it's hard whenever we're being mocked and gossiped about. I know that it's hard whenever you are speaking out for your faith on social media and you're being berated. I know that it's hard whenever you're called a bigot and you fall victim to this thing called cancel culture. I know that it's hard when you're ostracized from your friend groups and from your classmates and from your teachers and your professors. I know that it's hard when you're expected to compromise your biblical views about things like gender and marriage. But remember the example of Jesus. Man, in the book of Luke, Jesus had just been innocently crucified. And when he's hanging there on that cross, he prays a, prays a prayer, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We can't expect the world to act like Christians when they're not Christians. And when is the last time you prayed that kind of prayer for your persecutor? When's the last time I prayed that kind of prayer for my persecutor? We have to respond in mercy. What I want to do now is I want to shift focus a little bit and, and talk about how we deal with that, that persecution, that hatred. And there's at least two things that we see as far as how we should respond whenever that persecution, that hatred comes. And they come from the rest of the text. So first, take a look at verses 26 and 27. Jesus continues. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Again, if you're taking notes, here's point number two. The first way that we can respond to this hatred and persecution that we receive from the world is to continue witnessing for Christ. You know, in these verses, we, we see this word witness, and it's actually twofold. I don't know if you noticed it, but Jesus is saying that there's going to be this witness by the Holy Spirit, and then there's going to be this witness from the disciples. And so let's take a look at the witness of the Holy Spirit, whom he calls the Helper. So remember, these religious leaders had this in their mind, that if they were able to stamp out Jesus, if they were able to crucify him, then that was sure to make this Christian movement go away, right? But that is the opposite of what happened. The Christian movement grew. The Christian movement spread. And this passage gives us this understanding that it's the Holy Spirit who helps us, who guides us, who gives us the power and the conviction to be able to stand up to this hatred and persecution. What's also pretty cool is Jesus, he says that the Holy Spirit would be sent from the Father. Interestingly, this is actually one of the most known proof texts for the doctrine of the Trinity. The Godhead three in one. So not only is the Holy Spirit going to bear witness about Jesus, but the disciples were also going to do so as well. Now remember, put yourself in the disciples' shoes. They're fixing to leave. They're already saddened. They're already upset that their closest friend is going to be leaving. And then he just said, hey, and guess what? When I'm gone, yeah, 
difficult things are going to happen to you. Now, I don't know about you, but if my sorrow was here, man, it's going to be way up here now. They would have been frightened. They would have been nervous. They would have been doubtful about their abilities. But Jesus says, hey, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. It's going to bear witness about me. And then the Holy Spirit is going to equip you to do the very same thing. So when you experience that hatred, when you experience that persecution, it's going to be okay. But I still expect you to bear witness about me. I still expect you to tell others about the message of the gospel. Remember, the disciples were eyewitnesses. They walked with Jesus. They experienced life with Jesus. And we too have the responsibility to bear witness about Christ. No, we don't have the firsthand uh, face-to-face experiences that the disciples had, but we do have this expectation from him to share the gospel message. The message of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And our daily walk with Christ is also a way that we can bear witness of him as well. But the fact of the matter is, maintaining our witness for Christ is not easy in our day-to-day life, is it? Man, especially whenever we experience that hatred and that persecution. The world is pulverizing and it's tempting to try to fly under the radar so as not to be singled out by the world. It's easy to be that nominal Christian, but church, we cannot do that. Instead, I want you to listen to what one theologian said about the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit does for us in these times of difficulty and these times whenever we doubt ourselves. He says this, The witness of the Holy Spirit is said here to cover the gravest difficulties and provide the richest consolation. Let those words sink in. Hey, when you think you can't do it, guess what? On your own you can't. The Holy Spirit is there on your behalf. To cover the gravest difficulties and provide the richest consolation. He also, he also goes on to say, The supernatural power of the Holy Spirit will counteract the hatred in the world by regenerating individuals within it. I don't know about you, but that's awesome. That's good news. What that's saying here is God wants to use us through the power of the Holy Spirit to see lives changed. But are we willing to take that step in faith? Especially when the world is coming at us. That's the question. There's no form of hatred or persecution that God will not get us through. And I I know the apprehension's there, but we have to trust in that truth. Not only can we respond to the world's hatred by committing, or excuse me, continuing to witness for Christ, but a second way that we can respond to the world's hatred and persecution is to commit to not giving up. In these next verses, which kind of finishes out our passage today in chapter 16, verses 1 through 4, Jesus is not going to minimize the severity of the persecution that they are going to experience. Right? You you, you would like for him to say, hey, but you know, it's going to be okay. Jesus doesn't do that. Like, he wants to be upfront and honest. There's no way the disciples are going to be like, well, you know, Jesus never told us it was going to be hard. Jesus never said that the world is going to do this to us. 
He was very, very clear. And he was specific about what these disciples were going to experience. So take your Bible one more time and let's look at the rest of these verses. Chapter 16, verses 1 through 4, Jesus goes on to say, I have said all of these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. You know, he said that they would be cast out of the synagogue. And so we need to think about that in the historical context. To, to be excommunicated from the synagogue was a pretty big deal and not in a good way. Like the synagogue was the foundation of their social life. Like to be kicked out of the synagogue meant not only were you losing your church, but you were losing your community, you were losing your country, you were losing the very foundation of your life. But remember, the message of Christianity, that's how it was received, in a very negative light. It was received and met by hatred and persecution. It's no doubt that these disciples were going to have their faith tested because if you continue to read in the New Testament and take a look at history a little bit, almost every single one of these disciples experienced, actually every single one experienced hardship, difficulty, hatred in some way, and many of them lost their lives for it. However, Jesus says, because they would remember the words that he was giving to them, they became bold in their faith. They became bold in their faith. You know, today I, I got onto uh, ChristianPost.com, uh, you know, Christian news website, and I isolated uh, my search to articles just in the United States. And I was checking on articles that were, were related to hatred and persecution. And, and don't get me wrong, I, I didn't want to disregard the persecution happening into the world, in the rest of the world, because if you look at those statistics, it is heartbreaking. But I think often... We become de desensitized to the rest of the world. And so to make it more palpable for us today, I just focused on articles in, in the United States. And it was article after article after article related to Christians facing hatred and persecution in some way. Whether it's that baker that refuses to bake a cake for a homosexual wedding. Or is this person being kicked out of their community because they profess Christian beliefs? Or it's that college student that's being ridiculed by his professor because of his faith in Christ. And he's being told, that's garbage, you shouldn't believe that. I mean, it was article after article after article, and you wouldn't expect that necessarily, right, in, in, in the United States, because everybody in the United States goes to church, and everybody in the United States loves Jesus, right? That is becoming more and more untrue every day. 
And we cannot stick our head in the sand. We have to know that that is the truth. It is happening in our marriages, in our families, in our workplaces, in our classrooms, in our government, in our communities. And my hope is that we will be strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit to do two things. Number one, know how to engage those situations with the love and mercy of Christ. And secondly, to remain committed to what he has called us to do as Christ's followers. Because when that hatred and persecution comes, I promise you will be tempted to walk away. We can't do that. So as we wrap up this morning, I have several reflection questions that I would like for us to consider together. And listen, I know this passage was not an easy one. I mean, I told you that. I was dreading it. Had a hard time sleeping last night. Nobody wants to come to church and have the person on stage say, hey, guess what? The world's going to hate you. Have a nice day. But hopefully that's not what you received. Hopefully you receive the truth that the world is going to hate you and persecute you. But guess what? You have the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to walk you through it. I hope that is the message that you've received today. So I want you to listen to these reflection questions. First one's this. How might the fear of the world be affecting how you live for Christ? Remember I said earlier, we want to be liked. We want to be accepted. We don't want people to hate us. And is it easier to be hush-hush about our relationship with Jesus and to not have faith-based conversations? Yeah, right? Two things you don't talk about, religion and politics. It's easier to fly under the radar. But if we're being honest, that's not what we're called to do. Yeah, having these faith-based conversations is, is real easy whenever we're with our community group at church. Oh yeah, Jesus. But what about in those settings whenever... Christians are not so readily seen. It gets tougher, doesn't it? I want you to listen to Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 1. He says this, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Now, although Paul is talking to Timothy about his calling to the ministry and this gift of being a minister, we have a gift that we are expected to give others, and it's the gift of the gospel. Let's not be fearful in sharing the truth about Jesus, but to do so out of power and love and self-control. Here's my second question to you. Is there someone in your life right now who needs to hear the gospel, but you haven't told them because of your fear of rejection or judgment? That's a tough one. And I know it goes hand in hand with that first question. But what we need to do instead of being fearful of judgment is we need to pray for the boldness to have that conversation and trust in the power of the Holy Spirit. One thing I personally think that causes people to not want to share their faith is because we have it in our mind that we're supposed to save them. Not true. The Bible is very clear that it is the Holy Spirit who saves a person. We are just expected to be that mouthpiece. 
And something we've been recently doing inside of our student ministry is we have equipped them with something called the Life Book. And this is geared towards uh, students. And what it does is it basically gives the message of the gospel. And then it contains the Gospel of John, which is kind of cool that we're studying this. And what we've done is we've encouraged them to hand this out to somebody. And then to follow up, have conversations. Hey, did you get a chance to look at that? Did you read that? So then it's not so abrasive. Then they don't feel like some Christian's coming at them and is going to you know, beat them into submission to, to faith. No. But use this as a tool to be able to facilitate those conversations. Because sometimes it's kind of intimidating. We're scared we're not going to have all the right answers. We're worried that they're going to ask us something. And, I don't know. Well, are you even a Christian? You don't know that? Like... That's when we trust in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're not expected to have all the answers, right? But we are expected to not act out of fear of rejection or judgment, but to be who God has called us to be through the power of the Holy Spirit, to be the mouthpieces for the gospel. Here's the third question. What would it look like in your life to trust more deeply in the power of the Holy Spirit, especially in the midst of the world's hatred. Remember, he informed the disciples that the Holy Spirit would be available to them. Some translations say an advocate, and I love that word, so that whenever we are less than and we are, then he can be enough. How can the Holy Spirit help you today in the midst of the hatred and persecution that you're experiencing? You know, there's actually several functions that the Bible talks about as far as what the Holy Spirit does for us in the Christian life. And I want you to listen to these. Because the Holy Spirit isn't just some, you know, mystic force. But it is a person, uh, he, I should say, is a person of the Trinity that does several things for us as Christ followers. Listen to this. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. That's a tough one. The Holy Spirit gives us wisdom. The Holy Spirit guides us according to the Bible. The Holy Spirit empowers us with spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit prays for us in our weaknesses. The Holy Spirit helps us to bear fruit. You know, which of these areas needs that attention today? As the worship team is going to return to the stage here momentarily. If there is anything that God has laid on your heart this morning, we want to encourage you to come and talk to a prayer partner who is going to be up front after the service. Maybe you are in need of prayer because the hatred and persecution has overwhelmed you. And let the Holy Spirit and this body of believers strengthen and encourage you. And if you'd rather talk to an elder maybe have a more difficult, difficult thing that you want to talk about or you have a question or whatever, we're going to have elders out there in the commons. They have a lanyard on, and they would be happy to be able to talk with you as well. But church, please don't leave here. If God is stirring something in your heart, don't leave here thinking that the world and their hatred and persecution is going to win. You know, the Bible says the victory has already been won. Did you know that? So we cannot... Let them deter what God has called us to do. To share the gospel. To put it into practice in our everyday life. 
and to give him the glory and recognition that he deserves because it's not about us. And while this message has been difficult, I hope that that is an encouragement to you.